And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are about to get into our Bible study for the day, but this morning nobody has snapped up. Actually, the... we stand corrected, Lyle. Someone has snapped up oh. this quiz. Yeah, in fact, they snapped it up yesterday. <laughs> I'm just behind with the times. Oh, I'm such a what dumb. happened? Yeah, I, I th- was it on? I think our new system had been a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a whirl. And uh, so Diane Hillary from Cal Carn, Cal Kern, Cal whatever, actually answered it yesterday. So yeah, sorry Diane, you still get that prize. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so we've been doing an old, Oops. old, old, old crab. Uh, uh, quiz card all morning But yeah, I wonder if Diane's been really confused I wonder if she's like I answered that yesterday <laughs> <laughs> Well We have been giving different clues today though No we gave the same one The top The first one Remember how oh, you were like okay. Go over it again yeah, So yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say We could have the same Individual being Guessed on twice But Yeah Yeah that, I feel like it's cheating We tell people what the answer is And then we do the quiz again It's the exact same one But let me give you A new one How about that Alright This is go. a This is a What number am I quiz So clue number one is this The number of lepers Accredited with Saving Samaria From starvation Hmm Do you know the answer Lyle? He's thinking he has a correct. Lyle has the answer right, correct. Uh, if you have a, an answer for that one, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. Okay, so how many lepers saved Samaria? That's a very interesting story. It's a very cool story. Um, I need to do a sermon on that one day. Oh, yeah, why don't you? Yeah, I need to, I need to preach on, on that story. That's an amazing story. Okay, how many lepers were, it, were, that, were there that saved Samaria? Lepers that had uh, information that the rest of the city didn't have. Uh, anyway, I'd better shut up before I give more yeah. clues away. If you know, you've the been answer. doing well, Lyle. You've been doing you know, well. If you know the answer, one eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call. So give us a call or send us a text message on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, or shoot us a Facebook message and uh, or Instagram or, or Instagram. Twitter or any of other social media formats. Yeah, it's a little bit harder for us to follow those, but uh, we do try and keep an eye on them during the program just to make sure that uh, we well, are all up to date with everything that is happening. I have devastating news. Devastating news? I just finished you off my ball up. of yarn and I hadn't brought another one in. <laughs> I've run out of yarn. What am I going to do, Lyle? So you don't have any more of that yarn, so the rest of your blanket that you're making right now is going to be incomplete because you can't no, buy no, that No, no, no. I have plenty at home, and usually like every couple of mornings I shove a new ball into my backpack before I come to work because I'm about to finish one ball and I need to start the next. By the way, what are you making? A blanket. A blanket. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or, or patch by patch. Squares. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's a patchwork yeah. blanket. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and this morning I totally blanked. I actually left two other things at home of vital importance, and now I've discovered I've left a third thing at home, and now I have just right now tied the last knot in the last well, the patch of this particular yarn, and I'm out of yarn. I'm not out of yarn. I could yarn all morning. <laughs> Such a dad joke. If anyone's within walking distance of the studio, can you please come give me a ball of yarn? Any kind of yarn. Don't worry about a hook. I have plenty of hooks. Mine's, mine's, mine's not going to be able to concentrate. I'm going to have like an anxiety attack in a minute. <laughs> I just need my yarn fixed. Pa- pa- panicking. <laughs> panic attack. Yes, exactly how Sweating. I Sweating. My heart's racing. There's no yarn. Maybe I'll just undo this patch and redo it. <laughs> just have something to yeah, do. Yeah, pass, pass, pass that patch to me for a second. Okay, it's really pretty, isn't it? it? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah. Kind of oh, hang on. That's the wrong one. Okay. Here we go. That's the last oh, one from right, that right, ball. Let me have a look at it. 
Let me have a close look here. It's okay. nice, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, it's yeah. A, an iridescent. <gasps> Mom, there's a mistake. This is impossible. I don't make mistakes. No, there's a mistake. No, there's not. Like it's right at the beginning. You're lying to me. You're going to have to pull the whole thing apart. <laughs> no, start over. There's, there's no a mistake. mistake. There is a mistake in no, this. I can, I can see one. You're lying. You can't see one. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who are listening, I'm sure it, I can find one here. It somewhere. is a beautiful blue iridescent yarn, and it actually is in. Um, uh, what do you call that? Like a gradient? So it goes from light blue through to dark blue and then back to light. Do you always have the light blue stripe in the middle? No, 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 no. Like just however random. it comes off the roll is how it comes. See this one? Oh. It's, just, it's very Why random. Why is that square so, much, square so much bigger than this one? I make them different sizes. Your blanket's going to be all over the place. That's the point, Lyle. It's multiple blues and all different size patches and it's all put together in one beautiful blue kaleidoscopy blue like, anyway, I'll, I'll we will take done. a photo and we will post it on our social media once it is done the latest yes. of Mon's blankets Mon's yes. creations alright so Mon we need to get into our Bible study for today we are studying all about keys to family unity Ooh, the key so this is a really important this is a really important study because I think all of us have experienced family disunity. disunity. Yeah. In fact, families can be very challenging to mm-hmm. be a part of. Um, there's an old saying goes that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And, of course, your family are those that you want to be close to. They're those that you have a need to be close to. But you can't control what kind of a personality your other family members might have or how they might react or what they might do or any of those kind of things. And so families can be very challenging. Because they can be very different. Yeah. Just because you're born of the same blood doesn't mean you're in any way related in terms of character or personality. Yeah, or or if that was the kind of character or personality that you would choose to have as your, you know, best Mm. mate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, And so, you know, family gatherings like Christmas time. A uh, very tragic story yesterday um, coming out of the news where uh, right here in the Hunter Valley um, there was a family gathering for Mother's Day and um, there was two sons and one shot the other Ooh. and then went in the bush and shot himself. And they both survived and went into hospital in critical condition. And, um, you know, that's a, it's an example of, of just some of the really horrific kind of things that can take place when families don't work, when they don't work well together. And I think I think it's really important to note that God created family as one of the most important institutes on the planet. And for that reason, the devil is working overtime to attack family. That's why we have so much dysfunction. I mean, you know, people say now there's no such thing as, an, as a family that isn't dysfunctional. And I think it's definitely because... Uh, the devil knows how good family can be and how good family is so important. And so he's just throwing everything he can and absolutely destroying the family unit. Everything he's got at it. Yeah, it's a tragedy and it's the reality of the world in which we live. And I think that, you know, I think that you, as listeners, you all can relate in some way at some level to what we're talking about here. I can look at my family and I can look at the stresses that come into my family. I can look at my wife's family and I can see stresses and pressures that come there. And then you get family members and they, you know, don't talk to each other or cut each other off or, and it's just, it's, 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 it's heart wrenching. Anyway, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at um, some keys to making your family work. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and Mon, if you could read for us. Well, let's start reading in verse 11. There's a bit of a passage here. Let's, let's just start reading in verse 11. 
Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Yeah, keep going. It's, oh, I've lost it now. Where is it? Here we go. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Okay, we can stop there. Here, Paul is talking about a different kind of family. What, what kind of family is Paul talking about? The Christian family. The Christian family. The Christ- and so what you have is families within families, don't you? Mm. There, are, there are many different kinds of families that exist. And within the human family, we have the Christian family. And he begins by addressing a group of people who were not a part of the Christian family. Yeah, and uh, I think people will hear this... Um be referred to within Christendom as maybe like the church family nowadays. Yeah, the church family. Yeah, yeah. Okay, can the church family be an effective family? Oh, absolutely. Can the church family be a replacement or substitute for your real family? Yep. And um, can a church family have stresses and conflicts in the same way the real family can? A million percent, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bless their hearts. Yeah, I think. And it's just an illustration, really, of the brokenness of humanity. The fact that we all bring our brokenness, you know, to whatever it is that, you know, if we bring it to our biological family, we bring it to our church family, or we bring it to the human family. Mm-hmm. And Paul is talking here about the church family. He's talking about people that are outside of that family. They are not a part of that family. But how is it that they do become a part of that family in these passages right here? Well, it says they were circumcised, right? But it also says that just changes your body, not your heart. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah, it says that they had been united with Christ Jesus. Okay, so the united and close to Him through the blood of Christ, and that is the key right there. Christ at the very center is what is always going to make family work effectively. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so it's one of those is one of the real keys. To understanding family and, under, and and making family work is, you know, if you think of uh, a circle. Yep. And you have like a target. Yep. So you've got concentric rings. And, you know, if we look at, you know, your standard family unit, within that circle you're going to have, I guess, we place mum and dad at the centre. Mm-hmm. No, not at the centre but the first ring out from the centre. Yeah. And then you get your kids and then you get your grandkids and then you get your great-grandkids. And each one, of them, each one of them is a circle coming out from the centre. But if we then place Jesus at the very, very centre of that circle, if you want to draw that family close together, so rather than being concentric rings, it's just one big black dot. Mm-hmm. There's only one way that you can do that. How do you actually do that? How do you bring those rings closer to each other? Fill in the gaps. Okay, but what if you don't want to fill in the gaps? Then you're not going to get any closer, are you? Yeah, yeah. Make a smaller circle. Make a smaller circle. Mm-hmm. And if you're making a smaller circle, who are you drawing closer to? Jesus, the center. That's right. And that's the key ah, right there. I see what you mean. The closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to each other. And I think that within most families, 
you know, when we think about those concentric circles, they don't form a nice, neat, you know, parents, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, anything like that. You will find all kinds of circles, and within those circles you're going to find people in all kinds of different places, you know, some on the outer edges of the circle, some on the inner edges of the circle. Uh, but if you're a part of that family, you want to see that family, you know, just brought close to each other and united together, then the only way that is going to happen is by having Christ at the center. And, but, you know, the, the closer we get to Christ, the closer we get to each other. So what if you have a family um, where some of the circles want to be closer to Jesus and some of the circles aren't really interested? Yeah, you're going to have a, you're going to have a broken family. Yeah, you're going to have a a family. You're going to have a family where, as um, Ellen White stated, the shadows are never lifted. This is why it's so important to marry someone who is traveling in the same direction, <coughs> yeah. you know, pulled towards the same goal. That's right, because yeah. if you, you know, and and particularly, let me let me let me just speak about this, particularly in relationship to the marriage. Because the marriage is where the family starts. That's the foundation of the family. That's what actually creates a family. When a marriage takes place, what you are doing is you are creating a family. And we know the pressures that come on marriages today. We know how easy it is for marriages to bust up and to fall apart today. The solution to making your marriage work and the key to making your marriage work is to place Christ at the center of it because then the closer you get to Christ, the closer you're going to get to each other. And so if you feel like you're, you know, you're drifting away from your spouse or there's, you know, some separation taking place in your family, there's some distance, you know, and you, you, your spouse might be distant or whatever, uh, the greatest thing that the two of you can do is to focus on drawing nearer to Christ. You know, often we'll go to counseling and counseling is great and the counselor will say, well, you can do this and you can do that and you can do the other and these things will draw you closer together. There is nothing greater than drawing close to Christ that will uh, enable you to, um, you know, draw close together as a family. Amen. All right, so where do we get up to in that passage? Uh, We finished off at verse, uh, start of verse 14. Okay, let's keep reading a bit. Let's read some more verses. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles in, into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our own and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Yeah, see, when you read down through here, the whole passage really is all about becoming one, becoming united in Jesus Christ. This yeah. would have been a big issue for the Christian church at this particular time because the Christian church in the time of the apostles considered itself to be a form of Judaism. And the world considered Christianity to be a form of Judaism. The concept of Gentiles becoming a part of it was very, very foreign. It wasn't entirely foreign because there were Gentiles who would become Jews um, and proselytization did take place on occasions where people would move from one religion to another. But it was very, very rare that that, that ever took place. Then when Christianity comes along, it becomes the norm. In fact, within a very short space of time, Christianity is dominated by Gentiles. And, of course, you know a lot of the Jews are really struggling with this and finding it very, very challenging. Because uh, they've had such an exclusive religion and suddenly anyone yeah. can join. It's actually being mirrored in our world today. Oh, is it? Yes, we have exactly the same thing taking place in Christianity today. 
How so? Um, well, if you think about this, if you go back to, say, 200 years ago or even just you know, 150, 100 years ago, here in Australia, we were a Christian nation, you know, predominantly Christian nation, and as such, we were sending missionaries out to um, the Gentile nations around us, such as you know, your South Pacific Islands and this kind of thing. Uh, Papua New Guinea, etc. We were sending missionaries there to bring those people to Christ. And so we saw ourselves as being the center of Christianity. You know, this, this is where Christianity was centered. Um, this is where you know, Christianity was organized. This is where it was funded. This was where it uh, began from and then spread out to the world so that these people could give their lives to Jesus Christ. Since then, Australia has become secular. And Australians have left off from following God, you know, a large percentage, while the areas that we ministered to have become more and more and more Christian. And so this is where you get a clash of cultures uh, because now you've got, um, you know, much larger populations of Christianity you know, in the South Pacific than what you do here, have here on the continent of Australia. And so now you've got the, the, the churches in the Pacific that have more influence than the churches here in Australia. And the churches in Australia are not used to that. I've seen that actually now that you mention it. I've seen it happening. Yeah. Yeah. And even, with, even, within, <coughs> we, even within our culture, the whole stir up over Israel Falau. You mm-hmm. know, he's getting a tremendous amount of support from the other um, Pacific Islander players within the football, co- football mm. code. Mm. Uh, because of his Christianity, you know whether they agree with what he said or not, or whether they agree whether about whether the way he went about it was right or not, they're fellow Christians. Whereas here in Australia, that's not the case. 150 years ago, this would have been reversed, and our Australian culture doesn't deal well with you know being uh, on the back foot when it comes to morality. Uh, but we are. That's the that's the simple reality of, of where we are right now. You know, these, these South Pacific nations are leading us as far as morality goes, and we are lagging behind. Do you, do you also think that um, these uh, missionary nations are now, I guess, I, I hate using these words, but more conservative than Australia? Australia's gotten more liberal? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, and And if you look at the churches, you know, even within the churches, you find that Australia has... Um, a future of being dominated by um, people in ministry who come from a Pacific Islander background, um, simply because that's where the Christians are. That's where they're coming from, and uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to take place. You know, we sent missionaries there. Now they are sending; they are literally sending missionaries to this country because this is the country that needs the gospel. Wow, that's incredible. And they see themselves, you know, in the last 20 years, they have come to see themselves as being the ones who need to be the... And this is why, this is why Israel Folau makes the, state, the kind of statements that he does, is because he sees himself as being a missionary to a secular nation and, and, and standing up in a secular nation for God, you know? Whether you agree with what he said or not, or whether you agree with the way that he said it or not, that's what is actually taking place. I do like how it says here in this verse, in verse 16, it says our hostility toward each other um, was put to death. And I do think that's how the two can get along again. Absolutely. Yeah, putting hostility to death. Absolutely, because if you place Christ at the center, then all of you know these prejudices that we have, 
uh, you know, because you know, here in Australia, we think, you know, oh, well, we're, we're the originators of Christianity. We're not the originators of Christianity, but we sort of look at ourselves that way, you know, and, and they're the group that we were sending missionaries to. We feel under pressure when that is reversed and now they are missionaries to us, but that pressure ceases to exist. It vanishes when we draw close to Christ. When we place Christ at the center of that relationship, we're drawn close to each other. Yeah, absolutely. I guess there's also a little bit of embarrassment of when the teacher becomes a student. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is Hilary Scott and the Scott family with the song Love Remains. We are born one fine day children of god on our way mama smiles
You're listening to Hillary Scott and the Scott family with Love Remains. Mon, give us another clue for the quiz. Oh, yeah. We need someone to call in for this one today. Just thinking, where did I put the quiz card? But I've just found it. Okay, uh, let me just open Instagram. If you want to check out the uh, the previous clues, you can do so on our Instagram. Just jump across. Uh, the handle is Faith FM Live, lowercase one word, and uh, click on the profile picture, and you will see a video popping up of. Oh, excuse me, got the hiccups here. Lyle and myself in the studio, uh, and you can listen to the. Quiz clues again. Are you laughing at me? I, I am. I'm so looking forward to this next segment. This is going to be Mon <coughs> doing radio with the hiccups. I think I got it under control. I'm not going to find out. Okay. Clue. <laughs> <laughs> what number and I? Clue number two. The number of times Zacchaeus would pay back anybody he cheated. All right. So he just paid them back once. He paid them back multiple times. And if you what, know the answer, there is an amazing prize coming yeah. your way. It's a book called The Marked Bible. Yes. And uh, just an incredible story. Um, adventure. Um, on the high seas. Adventure on the high seas. Story of how a mother's love and heartfelt prayers for her rebellious son were wonderfully rewarded. A story of desperation and excitement on the high seas. A thriller. And a change of life. A thriller yeah. and a change of life. You will enjoy this story. This is a uh, classic uh, classic story. It's been around for uh, quite a long time, and I know I read it once um, some time ago, and just, yeah, amazing story right there. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843. How many times did Zacchaeus pay back? How many times over did Zacchaeus pay back those that he had cheated as a tax collector? You know the answer. Give us a call right now, and that prize will be yours. All right, so let's go to John chapter 17, and yeah, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 2. You're going to Genesis or John? Genesis 2, then John. Okay, I was going to say, you're going to make up your mind here. Yeah, Genesis 2, uh, the last verse of Genesis 2, if you could read that one for us, please, Mon. Um, and then I want to go to John. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go to Genesis 1. <sighs> Okay, make up your mind. Yep. All right, I'm going to go to Genesis 1. Okay, so Genesis 1 or this Genesis... is a really important little Bible study we're about to have right here. Let's see here. Um, maybe verse 27. Genesis 1, verse 27. You're going to change your mind again. That's it. Lock it in. It's locked in. Genesis 1, 27 you says... You million, won't win a million dollars, but it is locked in. <laughs> so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In whose image were we created? God. That's pretty obvious. So what does that actually mean? What does it mean we were created in the image of God? We can't look like him. You think so? Like, you know, arms and legs and ears and nose and that kind of thing. You sure? No. So what does it mean that we are created in the image of God? That we look like God. Does it mean anything more than that? Maybe. And that we're relational like he is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you something here that is going to blow your mind. Go on. Because here's what we know. We were created in the image of God, but we don't know what God looks like because we've never actually seen him. That's correct. And so we do know that there are certain attributes we have as human beings that are the same attributes that God has. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Yep, um, and that have have been passed down to us. How many persons is God? Three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that those three are what? One. One. So why does the Bi- Bible say that? Now I've got the hiccups. No, I I what is going on, on here? <laughs> Unbelievable! I didn't know that, I did, that I did was an excellent job of doing that. Didn't know that that me. was contagious <laughs> from across the room. <laughs> Moreover. 
Okay, so three and one. Okay, so you got three that are one. Why do we call them one? I mean, there's three separate people. They can be in separate places doing separate things at different times. They're very, very clearly three separate persons. You've got the baptism of Jesus, one, the Father is in heaven, the Son is in the water, the Holy Spirit is halfway in between as a dove. They have one intent and they act as one accord. Okay, so they're perfectly united together. They're in sync. They're so in sync, the only way the Bible can describe the three persons of the Godhead is by describing them as being one. one. Yep, yep. Okay, let's think about the marriage relationship as God intended it before sin in the Garden of Eden. Okay, so take sin out of the equation. Let's say that there is no sin, then how perfectly united together can a husband and wife be? Well, they say they become one. All right, now you can read for us, uh, not the last verse, the second last verse. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Okay, so they become one. So that's that's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. All right, so one of the attributes of divinity, one of the attributes of God is this ability to be one, this aspect, this concept of oneness. Yes. We're created in the image of God, and one of the very first things that we find after the Bible speaks about the creation of humans in the image of God is that humans have the same ability, the same attribute of oneness, the same ability to be one. So if a man and a woman are the part one and the part two, who's the third party that's becoming one? Well, you have to have a third party. Well, all I'm dealing with here so far is the concept. I mean, obviously, Jesus is the third party, but all I'm dealing with is the concept of multiple or plural being singular. Okay. Okay, good. So if you want to understand the Godhead, you can look at the family. Um, And if you want to understand oneness, you can look at the family here on this earth. And, of course, that is never perfect because we live in an imperfect world, world. We live in a world of sin. But if you saw a family relationship before sin, then you would see an example of one that uh, that was perfect. True. Okay. So then that gives us an indication of uh, the relationship that is God's intention for us in a marriage relationship. Now we go over to Acts chapter 17 because Acts chapter 17 is all about this concept of oneness. The whole chapter really is dealing a lot with oneness. I thought you said we were going back to John. Not not Acts, John. Okay, okay, so we are going to John. John chapter 17. (laughs) And, ooh, let's, where will we start here? Let's go to, so many good verses here. Um, Let's go to verse 21. Verse 21. 21, 22. 21, 22. And 23. And 23. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. Okay, so you say wow, Mon. Why do you say wow? May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Is that incredible? It is. That could be your witness. That's right. If you had, if you were, if you were, had such perfect unity with God, the world will just know. They'll just know that that you were sent. Okay, That's so amazing. think about your local church. Yeah. Does your local church have that kind of unity? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we can look at any of our local churches and we find that there's a certain level of disunity, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've seen um, some churches where you know the local football club has far more unity oh, than the local church does. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, of course, the local football club is not under you know anything like the pressure from Satan mm-hmm. that a church is under. That's right. Uh, but when you have that kind of unity... What is that going to? What kind of a message is that going to give to the world? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to give an incredibly uh-huh. powerful message, and to people the world will want to people be are part going of that. To, that's right. They're going yeah. to see that it's different. They're going to see this is something that is very, very different from what is going on, you know, outside there and in, in, in the rest of the world. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and and when you go through this passage right here, you find that, you know, Jesus is you know, it's not just unity with each other. It is unity with Jesus, and it is the same. Jesus, Jesus prays that his followers have the same kind of unity with him as he has with his Father. Amen. That's a really heavy thought. Anyway, we're going to continue on uh, with our show. Uh, next up is the Ball Brothers uh, with the song Mercy Said No. just a child when I felt the Savior leading. I was drawn to what I could not understand. And for the cause of Christ, I have spent my days believing. What He'd have me be is who I am. As I've come to see the weaker side of me I realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul Mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go save us from the cross he built a bridge to set us free all but deep within our hearts there is still a war that rages and makes the sacrifice so hard to see and as midnight fell on crucifixion Yeah. 
Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I like that you've got the wool over your eyes. Cause it suits me fine to know that you don't even realize. I like the way that you don't question anything. And I love the way that you go along. With everything I've got you under my control And you, you don't even know You don't even know And I've got you under my control And you, you don't even know And you don't even know Just don't think about it Live life to the full it doesn't really matter what's really real Keep that veil real close, oh, don't peek through It doesn't really matter what's really true And it suits me just fine It suits me just fine Cause you're trapped in your habits and you don't
My, oh my, what a lost little child You're entangled in lies I have the best intentions for you And I don't want anyone else to be Lord of your life, Lord of your life I want everything good for you I've tried to show you But people mind my name People make you afraid of me That's not what I'm like, oh Search for me and know me for yourself For yourself I'm a good, good father You're singing it in songs And I'm really truly where you belong And if you search for me Through the clutter of this world You'll dust me off and find me At the bottom of your shelf Search for me That was Anna Beaton with Wool Over Your Eyes here on Faith FM. We have a, another clue for our quiz, a quick clue real quick, and then we will have question of the day. Yes. What number – is my microphone on? Yeah, just really quiet. What number am I? Clue number three. The soldiers divided Jesus' outer garments into this many shares. Give us a call if you know the answer. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's one 800 324 Lyle, Q of the D. Keen to hear what you have to say about this one. Is it possible? Can you pray a dead person into heaven? No. So, for example, grieving mother, worried about her son who's passed away, and she spends the rest of her life every day praying earnestly that Jesus might have mercy on her son and, uh, and take him to heaven, just in case, you know, he's stuck in like limbo or purgatory or something like that. Yeah, and it's a very good question. Limbo and purgatory don't exist. Well, that was question of the day. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> no, I, I hate to uh, I hate to disappoint you all, but they are not in the Bible. They do not exist. They are not a reality. Um, they are an invention. Um, they were invented primarily as a means of making money. Oh. And so basically what happened was, if you go back to the 4th century, time of St. Augustine and so forth, uh, the church was looking for ways to raise money uh, to build you know, the great cathedrals that you see right across Europe. And one of the ways they did that was by creating the concept of purgatory. And the way that purgatory works is like this. Um, they will teach you that when you die, you go to a place of torment. It's not hellfire, uh, but it's like hellfire, and you will burn and burn and burn and there for many thousands and millions of years until you enough evil has been burned out of you, and eventually God will grudgingly let you into heaven. However, you can short-circuit that process by having... The priest, not yourself, but the priest say prayers and masses for uh, your son or your daughter, the person, whoever it is that is stuck in purgatory. And the more masses that are said and the more money that is paid to the church, the shorter the amount of time that they'll spend in purgatory. And so basically what it was, it was an invention that was created uh, to earn money off people's emotions. 
So basically, when they were in their most vulnerable position. If you were like a rich scoundrel, you could almost just live wherever you wanted to, however you wanted to, and then pay a fat sum of money to the church and just say, hey, when I go. Yeah, when I go, X amount of masses and uh, I want to get to heaven. That's exactly what you could do and that's exactly what a number of people did do. Um, that's of course, actually really come, quite blasphemous. To when you come down to the 16th century, you have the you know, they they need to raise more money, and purgatory wasn't raising enough money for them, and so then they invented the concept of indulgences. An indulgence, obviously, you can indulge yourself in a sin, but each one of those sins is going to cost you a certain amount of money. Usually, they would sell those indulgences for sins that you had already committed. Uh, but they would also sell them for sins that you were planning to commit. And so you could then budget whether you have enough money to be able to commit that sin and still be able to avoid burning in purgatory as a result of doing that particular sin. You know, it's no wonder that so many people have such a dim view of God. If it's oh, trickled absolutely. down from this kind of nonsense. Absolutely. That you, you could would just think buy that sin from God. By an how, how could you ever think that God is a God of love, you know, based on something like that? I remember reading the story of a... Uh, of a um, you know a, a, a Roman Catholic man who uh, you know they were neighbours and a friend of theirs died and they were talking after the funeral about you know how he was oh definitely a good man he'd be off on his way to heaven and his neighbour said no nah, no nah, I don't think he would he was a thief and uh, he's, he's definitely going to purgatory if not hellfire um, and so you know the other neighbours like why you know prove it to me he's like well do you know about and lists off a bunch of things that had disappeared from his property he's like he's the man who stole those things if you go over to his shed today you'll find your possessions over there and so uh, the other neighbour who had had those possessions stolen from him he uh, you know placed one hand on his heart and raised his other hand and he says uh, in the sight of God I now gift those things to that individual Whereupon the other neighbor sort of shook his head and was like, well, that's the first time I've ever seen a circumstance where a human being has forced God to take someone to heaven. <laughs> this is a true story. Okay, yeah. This actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of the picture, the image of God that that portrays and that these people had. This is, a, this is an image of a God who is, is horrific. The Bible says the day of salvation is now. We need to give our lives to Jesus Today, after we die, it's all over. We need to pray for the family, not for the person who has passed away. If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. And I'm sleeping in the grave Where God's flowers not in sway I have treasures up on
Savior will not leave me in the dust. When I'm sleeping in the grave, where God's flowers not and sway, I have treasures up on high that cannot rust. When the glory morn shall break, when my sleeping I awake, for my Savior This old body's weak and worn I could die before the morn And when all the sleeping saints shall gather round I'll put on my Up on high that cannot rust When the glory morn shall break When my sleeping I awake For my Savior will not leave me Welcome back, everybody. That was the Forbes family with When I'm Sleeping in the Grave. Mon, we've come to the end of the show. Yes, we have. And I have a really, really nice uh, gift to give away. We've been talking about family. We've been talking about, uh, you know, creating that unity uh, with, you know, with each other. And for people who are, you know, listening and wondering, do you know what? I have a messed up family and I would love to uh, bring us closer together and, um, and bring us closer to God. And, uh, and create some of that unity, that, 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 that perfect unity with Christ that people can look at us and just know that we're, you know, Christian. If you're wondering how to do that, give us a call now because we have a really nice book. It's called Bible Readings. Um, it's a really great book to, to do as a devotional with your family, uh, during, uh, Bible worship, I mean, family worship time, uh, Bible readings for the home. Uh, it's written by E.G. White. You can get a copy here now completely for free. Just be the first person to call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Give us a buzz. Uh, get a copy of this book. Sit your family down uh, every day and just read a, a portion of this every day. And, uh, and you will learn more about Christ, more about God um, and His wonderful character. And you'll be drawn uh, collectively closer to Him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic book right there. So give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number. And stay tuned because we have an amazing programming coming up back coming up right after this and we will be back tomorrow morning with The Breakfast Show.